Today I want to preach a message and I really love to preach polished, elegant messages where each word connects and each thing's. But it's one of those messages where the Holy Spirit was putting something in my heart that I didn't have all the dots joined, but I felt just go with the Holy Spirit. Just go with what God's doing. And so I trust today as I speak that um, if I could put it this way, I almost want to chop off my head of all the things that I could say and minister out of my spirit of what I believe God is wanting to say to His church and to His people today. Because who knows, we have serve a God who's moving. We serve a God who's alive, who's active in our lives. The Bible says it is that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. This is the key word, according to the power that's at work within us. So God's wanting to do stuff in your life, but are you prepared to let God work as He desires to work? Are you prepared to let God take over the steering wheel of your life and lead you and guide you? I want to tell you there's been times in my life where I've tried to take the steering wheel and try and make everything happen, and it's hard work. It's hard work. You know what it leads to? Worrying all the time. But I want to tell you, when you hand the steering wheel over to God, who the Bible says He's a good Father, who knows all things, who looks at things from an eternal perspective, you can trust God. And so today, as we let Him work, as we let Him take the steering wheel of His life, I have absolute confidence and certainty that if you will surrender your life to God, it's a safe place. The Bible says that as we walk with God, that He is our refuge and our fortress, our strong tower. And there's people today that just need to know that when you surrender to God, He's a safe place. He's your fresh refuge. He's your strong tower. The Bible talks about us being like chicks uh, huddled under the shadow of the Almighty, covered by God, protected by God, looked after by God. You see, everything that you're running your own way, you have to control, you have to protect, you have to cover, but everything that's in God's hands, come on, He is looking after. So surrender, trust God today, believe in Him, know that He is good, know that He is God, know that He is faithful. The Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So we can trust and rely on God. I love God that He's not one day, maybe I think this, maybe I think that, maybe I think this, maybe I think that. God is reliable. God is reliable. In the Bible, it tells us that God is love. He is love. He doesn't just love. He is love. The Bible says when it talks about love in Corinthians, it says love is patient, love is kind. This is describing the personality of God. This is who God is to us all the time if we will let Him move and have His way in His life, in our life. And today, the title of the message, if you're taking notes, great to take notes at church. I love bringing my notepad. And the title is this, Make Way, Make Room. Make Way, Make Room. And as we look at the media, as we look at all these things, we are very well informed as Australians. I think sometimes we're well informed into what's happening in Australia. I think sometimes internationally we're in a little bit of a bubble of what's happening around the world. But we have a lot of information coming at us all the time. And what that can cause you to do is it can cause you to be a fearful or at times a negative person because it's all so intense. But when you begin to pray, when you begin to seek God, you begin to see life from a different perspective you begin to see things from a new place. And so we need a time to make room for what God is wanting to do. We need to make room for what God is wanting to say. We need to not be people who are too busy to allow God to be God in our lives. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4 is where we're turning to today, if you've got your Bible. We're going to read, and I like reading the book of Acts because it's a blueprint for us as believers. It's a blueprint of how to do church life. It helps us to bring back, bring us back to the things that really matter and push aside the things that don't. I think there's so much that we can learn from the early church and, and bring us back to that sort of place time and time again. And it talks about here in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. I'm just giving people time to turn there. 
And it says, it's therefore those who are scattered when everywhere preaching the word. It's not a time to be silent if we want to be like the early church. It's not a time to shut your mouth. Come on, it's not a time to be shut down. It's a time to preach the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. When I, as a young pastor, begin to read these words, I want to help people come to a place of moral health. I want to help people. I want church to be a positive thing. I want to be a great encourager. But I also want to be someone who carries the power of God. I also want to see someone who God moves today in our lives. But I want to tell you that God wants to do miracles in you and through your life, just as he did through Philip here in the Bible. It says this, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And then it says this, verse 8, And there was great joy in that city. You see, when God begins to move in our city, there's great joy in our city. You see, if you were to read the verse just before this, verse 3, it says, And for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. You see, this was a dark time in some ways in the church. This was a time of great persecution, of great intensity. But the Bible says that as these people trusted God, as these people believed God, you see what the outcome is here? It says that there was great joy in the city. I believe that in a city where there can be times of great intensity, there's still able to be a godly joy that cuts through all of those sort of things because people can see and understand that God is still moving. As you begin to read about the world and Jesus begins to talk about the world, He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He talks about famines. The Bible talks about troubles and different things. But when Jesus talks about these things, He talks about us being people who take heart, people who overcome, people who rise above, people who live in the realization that this isn't our final resting place, but heaven is our home. And we live out of that place. You see, as Christians, we're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of death. Are you afraid of death today? Are you, I'm not afraid of death today because I realize that when I die, I'm going to a better place than I know right now. I'm going to an amazing place. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend eternity with God. Earth's best commodity is heaven's footpaths. What do you mean? The Bible says the streets are paved with gold. The streets are paved with gold. And it talks about people at times that had to leave loved ones for the sake of the gospel and all of these sort of things. But Jesus begins to talk about the promise that is lays in wait for those people in light of eternity if they will follow him. And so as Christians, we, we're pretty, we've got it pretty good here in Australia. But I want to tell you all around the world, there's people who don't have what we have today, but there's a joy that is incomparable to anything that money could buy you. A joy that is incomparable to any experience or momentary feeling could buy you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the joy of Jesus in your life. And so these people began to move in power. They began to see miracles. They began to see things that were tormenting people's lives, evil spirits. They begin to see them leave people's lives. Come on, spirits of fear can leave people's lives today. Spirits of anxiety can leave people's lives today. Come on, spirits of addiction can leave people's lives today. And God may have just positioned you. He may have just put you in that workplace. He just may have put you in that friend group. He may have just put you with that community online for you to bring change to those people's lives if you will trust God, if you will believe God and see what God actually has for you to do. So will you be a person who says, I want the Bible standard to be my standard? 
I want to believe for these sort of things to happen in my life and through my life. I am going to believe. I am going to begin to have faith for these sort of things in my life. You see, when you begin to read Acts and Acts chapter 8, and you begin to see the momentum of the early church. I like when you go to Acts chapter 2 because you begin to see how this began to start, how this began to propel, how this began to change. So if you've got your Bible, come with me to Acts chapter 2. I believe today's timely. I believe today's what we need to hear in this moment. Thank you, Lord. So good. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all in one accord with one place. You see, what we need to do is we need to pee people. Uh, this lockdown, let's see how long we go. But we need to stay in one accord spiritually. What does that want? We want what God wants for us. We want God in our lives. And if you begin to live this life, there's going to be things that are going to try and take you out. Spirits of prayerlessness, spirits of distraction, things that are going to pull you away from the call that God has for you. You just keep delaying, 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 delaying. But we need to be people who stay in one place in one accord. You see, just before Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that these people are up in this upper room praying because Jesus commanded them to. I like it. I like that. that. I was talking to Pastor Peter about that this week. Jesus just didn't suggest for them to or recommend stay there. Jesus commanded them to do something. And these disciples were like, okay, we will stay. And the Bible says that they were praying. They were crying out to God. I think sometimes we think prayer is just prayer, but prayer is so imperative for us today as believers. Prayer is so key. I believe that, that the most important service in our whole church is our prayer meeting, is our prayer meeting. Be wary of a church when we've got all the wheels turning of all the services, all the programs, but there's no prayer. Because you see what prayer does is prayer is the oil. When you think about an engine, you can have all the things working together, but if there's no lubricant amongst all those parts, what happens? It begins to seize. It begins to grind. It won't keep moving forward. But when we pray, it's the oil of the church, the Spirit of God moving through the church that enables us to go beyond what we could do in our own strength. It's that exceedingly abundantly stuff that we were talking about. And these people here, were, they were praying. They were crying out to God. And just before this, Judas had betrayed Jesus. And so they wanted to find another apostle to be named among the 12. And they go through this process of choosing someone. And I always find that story in the Bible interesting when they choose which apostle they'll pick. Because the Bible says that they draw straws for it. <laughs> like if I was one of the three in running to be one of the 12 apostles, I'd be like, I want a far more thorough uh, process to be able to select who is the most optimal for this role. <laughs> I would like a furthermore interviews and, and more resumes to be submitted and more data to be collected. And, and, and What do you mean you just all got together, prayed and just got the three reads and said, Lord, whoever you pick, let it be. But you see, these people knew how to stay unified. They understood that as long as they were on team Jesus, it didn't really matter the role description above their head. As long as they were a part of what God was doing, that's what truly mattered. And there can be times in church life where maybe you didn't get the role that you wanted. Maybe someone else got chosen over you. Maybe some, someone said something that they shouldn't have said at the wrong time. And you can let these little small offenses take you out from what God is trying to do. In Acts chapter 2, we see this mighty move of God that changed the church to the point of where it is today. But some of these people may not have been in the room because an offense could have tried to take them out. You see, sometimes an offense is so small, it can be like a, 
Could I use an example like a splinter or something like that? You know, you get a splinter and then it starts to get infected. And then if you don't know what you're doing, you start to pick at it. You start to fester on it. You start to think about it all the time. You start to what happens? That little splinter, that little infection turns into a big infection. And it prohibits you from being fully active to what God has called you to do. Can I tell you today, we need to be people who have a measure of grace in how we communicate with each other. We need to be responsible for how we act and what we say. But we need to be people who are not easily offended. We need to be people who are not easily taken out by offense and little relationships things in the light of what God is trying to do in a city and in a land. And so we need to be this sort of people. And I, I just feel as a pastor that what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to use little things, little things, little things that, that in 10 years time you look back and you go, that wasn't even important. What were we even arguing about? Someone took my seat in church, so I left the church. <laughs> so, so, someone, you know, like all these little things that when we look back, we go, but then we feel embarrassed to go back because it was so small. We feel embarrassed to go back. And I'm not talking about big things. I'm talking about little things. Hear me right, people. Sometimes there's apologies that are needed and we need to take responsibility. But I'm saying today, don't let the little things rob you from the big thing of what God is doing. And the Bible says that they came into this place in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says that they were in one accord in one place. And as a church, we need to stay in one accord together. We need to stay strong together. We need to stay focused together. And it says this, that suddenly they came a sound from heaven and we'll go on about these people having an amazing encounter with God. Pastor Peter last week talked about relationships and he talked about sometimes how people don't change. Have you ever found that? That sometimes habits, the things that people do, they don't change. And he shared a, a joke at the start of that to help us illustrate sometimes people don't change. But then Pastor Peter went on to say last week, unless the Holy Spirit changes them unless the Holy Spirit changes them. And as a church, we can get so far in our own strength, in our desire to be morally excellent, but to really, to live a Christ-like life, you need to be empowered by God Himself to live that sort of life. You can't live the life that God has for you without God. You can't be the person that God has called you to be without God in your life. You need God in your life. And the Bible goes on to here to say, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each of their head and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, there's three massive encounters that every person needs in their life. More important than who they marry, more important than the ideal job that they've been chasing for for 30 years. There's three experiences that every person needs to have. The first one is they need to be born again. Amen. What does that mean? It means you leave your old life behind and you step into the new life that Jesus has for you. It's, it's, it's more than just praying the prayer out the front. That's part of it. But it's really a life surrender. Yes. It's really saying, God, it's all yours. Amen. And yielding to God, trusting God. And as you yield, sorry, camera team, you're doing a great job. <laughs> But as you yield to God, I'll give him a moment. Hey, everyone watching online, my face is here. Just find it again. Amazing. <laughs> but it's that yielding. It's saying, God, I want to be born again. 
I want to be born again. God, I want the life that you have for me. I want to shift into the life that you have for me. I want to step into the life that you have for me. The Bible says moving from one kingdom into a whole nother kingdom. I'm moving in. I'm born again. I'm not the same person that I was. What are some signs of someone who was born again? There's a God-like enthusiasm and joy and peace that's in them that is unexplainable. When I meet Christians and they come to church and they're like, yeah, I'm here, yeah, here, great. What's for lunch? Lunch wasn't that, you know, like all of that. I go, are you even born again? Are you like, oh, because when God's got on the inside of you, you're not in the old kingdom, you're in a new kingdom. You've changed. You've changed. Something shifted in you. I remember hearing the, my, dad, my dad's story, and I won't go over it because many of you know it, but my dad in his 20s was really searching from a young boy. He knew that the spiritual world was real. He didn't understand it, but he just knew that the spiritual world was real. And he went on a journey of seeking and searching to understand more about the spiritual world. And he lived in a town that has many churches. I've been there as a boy. And he went to, but he never saw the church as a place that had answers to deep spiritual questions. And so he went searching, he went looking in New Age. He went looking in witchcraft. He went looking in all these sorts of places to find answers to this spiritual longing on the inside. And long story short, a girl on Cavill Avenue in Surface Paradise told him the gospel about Jesus' plan for his life. He became a born-again believer, started going to church in Corumba with a whole bunch of surfers. The church was filled with sand and dogs. <laughs> and these people who had experienced God, and he started to hear about how the Holy Spirit could fill his life, how God could actually come into his life. He said, oh, I don't want to go down the front for that. That's a bit awkward. Sitting in the third row of the church, he felt the Spirit of God come upon him and change his life. 30 years later, he has not been searching and looking in other different places for other spiritual meanings to life. He has been satisfied in the power of God for his life. But I remember dad, as he started to get into church, he started to go to church and he started to let God move in his heart and let God move in his life. He started to have encounters with God. You see, if God's the one who changes us, when was the last time you had an encounter with God that left you changed. When was the last time you met with God in a way that you thought, I, I can't even verbalize fully what happened, but, but that was God. Because as Christians today, like I said, we need powerful encounters with God and God wants to encounter you to change you and transform your life. And so dad began to, the three things that every person needs to do, let me make them clear, born again, stepping out of your life into God's life for you, water baptized, public declaration, the old life is gone, new life has come, filled with the Holy Spirit, God empowering you to live the life that he has for you. And so dad began to get into church and he began to learn more about God. But some of these things that he'd been a part of in his life, he needed someone to help him get free of these things that had been around his life for such a long time. And he met this gentleman in the church who had a ministry in helping people get free. And he was invited by this gentleman over to his house and he prayed for him in the name of Jesus that these witchcraft things that had been around his life, the Freemasonry that had been in his family history, that they'd be broken off his life. But you see, I, I love the guy who came and prayed for him because this guy had a story as well. He, he had a family, he was running businesses and he used to drink a lot. And he thought, one day I need Jesus in my life. He had such a powerful encounter with God, this guy, that he got all of his alcohol and poured it down the sink and God changed his life. 
God changed his life. You see, it's, it's a change, but it's not just a change because we're trying to be changed. It's because God changes us when we have encounters with him. It's him that changes our lives. And so we need to let people, let God move powerfully in our lives. You see, you see here in Acts, I want to show you something as we're about to conclude. But you see here in Acts, when they began to speak in new tongues, it says here in, in verse five of chapter two of Acts, it says, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. If you go on to read in Acts chapter 10, it talks about a gentleman named Cornelius. And the Bible says that he was a devout man whose prayers and generosity came before a memorial before the Lord and God began to move through him to reach the Gentiles. It's interesting when the Holy Spirit was poured out to the Gentiles and here to the Jews in this way, you know what was there? Devout men. Think about both times, devout men. What does that word devout mean? It means committed men. You see, these people, these devout men had traveled from all these different locations. The Bible says here, it says, it talks about them coming from every, you know, all the nations under heaven and they came together and the Holy Spirit began to move on their life. Some of them didn't want it, some of them did, but there was a devotion to them that said, I'm going to move, I wanna be a part of what God's doing. And us today, God can move on moody people some, sometimes. He can, He can, He's very gracious like that. But God is looking for devout, committed men and women, committed people who will be committed to what God's doing, committed to what God's building, committed to being unmovable in their faith and in their worship and in their time with God. Is there a devotion in you? We talk about doing our devotions, doing a devo but is there a devotion in you that says, I will not be moved from what God is doing? I was sitting in Alpha earlier this year with one of our team called Belinda. And Belinda said something great. She said this, she said, the time where you least feel like praying is probably the time where you need to pray the most. The time where you least feel like praying is the time where you need to pray the most. And today as a church, if we wanna see that Acts generation, we wanna see what God wants to do. I love this, miracles, the Word being preached, people respecting it, people taking it on board, God moving powerfully, being satisfied, great joy in the city under great persecution. We need to be people who know how to encounter God. We need to be people who know how to go after God, to seek God. We're talking about faith in our church at the moment and relationships. The Bible says something great in Hebrews. It says that God is a rewarder of those who faithfully and diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder of those who faithfully and diligently seek Him. And I just, this is what I felt the Holy Spirit put on my spirit to preach. But I want to say in this time and in this hour, come on as a church, let the fire of prayer Come on, let the fire of seeking God, let a passion for God that cannot be snuffed out by anything stir within you because out of that place, God wants to change you and equip you for what He has for you. For you. So today, where's the hunger dial at? God, right now, you have an encounter for me. Come on, right now, fear has to leave and God's about to come. Come on, right now, worry has to leave because God's about to come right now. Come on, if you want an encounter with God, 
Come on, right now. Come on, if you need an encounter with God. Come on, right now, if you say, Josh, God, move in my life today. Just reach out by faith right now. I can't do much in your life, but God can. God can today. God can today. That's it. God, I want you. God, I need you. God, I reach out for you and who you are. God, wherever you are, I want to be close. Thank you, God. You're a water of those who faithfully and diligently seek you. Help me, God, to be a devout man, a devout person who seeks after you, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that's it. Let God move in your life today. Come on, let the Prince of Peace get around your spirit today. Church is a place where we meet with God. Church is a place where we experience God in our lives. That's it. Maybe you haven't come to church in a long time. Maybe today it's time to open up again. God, it's you. It's you that I want. God, it's you that I need. Oh, I can know a lot about you, but God, where am I at with you? God, where am I at with you? How close to you am I? Thank you, Lord. How near to you am I? That's it. That's it.